Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. We're going to start in our a new series and we're going to, I'm going to start talking to you about where are we going? And this is kind of just a, a, a light sermon today on this, but uh, there's some things for you to think about. We're going to look over in uh, Matthew chapter 24. So Matthew tw- chapter 24, and we'll get there here shortly. Uh, but it's a, it's a, we have to ask ourselves, where are we going? And it's important for us as a church and a community in the world that we are living. But where we are going needs to relate where we are in the world today. It's important that we recognize where we're going accordingly because this isn't 1975. Uh, This isn't 1984. It's not the year 2000. For goodness sake, 2000, that's over 20 years ago. And so we are in a different place, a different time in many ways. And if if you're older than 38, you live in a different world than you grew up in. That's just a reality. If you're not, if you're not uh, older than 38, then hey, you're okay, right? <laughs> okay. But, but uh, it is a different world. And uh, the church in America in 1975 and in the 80s and 90s and up to 2000, in many ways was quite different. Uh, and some for the good and some not. But, uh, but America is not the same either. And some is better and some is even more challenging to deal with. We understand that, but the world abroad has even changed. It's interesting for us to be able to sit down with missionaries and talk to them and them say how certain things have changed for them over the years as well. There are some things that have not changed, and uh, those things uh, we need to consider. The first one is the core of the good news of Jesus, the gospel. That has not changed. We know that God has not changed, and he even said in his word, he said, I am the Lord and I change not. And that should give us something solid to hold on to in the world that we live in. And there, there's other things as well that haven't changed. And that's the nature of humanity. Uh, it doesn't matter what the century that you are from, the nature of humanity shows that people still need Christ. We all need him. It doesn't matter who the person is. People in our towns and our our cities are are looking for something that only Jesus and the gospel can provide. There there still are unreached nations or, or regions of the world where someone needs to hear about the hope that Jesus has to offer them. We still have those places in our world, those unreached areas where they haven't even heard the name of Jesus. And yet some of those people are still on our shores as well, uh, even in our towns, in our communities, where they still don't get it, they don't understand, or they haven't heard in a proper way. And if we attach ourselves to Christ and the, the hope that he brings, we we have something to be able to offer to others in our world. We also have hope for ourselves to stand in difficult times. Now, I'm one of those guys that like watching construction. You probably heard me say it before, and I just enjoy it. I like to see them building projects, and uh, they really just intrigue me for whatever reason. I don't know. 
Uh, and one time when we lived uh, in a city out west, we were uh, they they actually uh, demoli- they demolished a, a brick building. It was a very old building, probably from the 1800s, and they demolished it because it wasn't in good shape, and it was right by the highway. And and so after they got all of that building out, I don't know, maybe it was four or five stories, and. And after they got all of that out, they had to dig way down deep to get, get all the stuff out. And, then, and I'm wondering, well, what are they going to build now? Because I knew they were going to build. And, and so then they started digging down deeper. I'm like, what? And they were digging and digging and digging until they got way down. And then after they dug way down, much further than the old foundation, then they started bringing uh, steel beams in and taking a pile driver and driving them way down into the ground, even further down. And then they were pouring concrete into all of that and and building this really strong, solid foundation. I I hadn't seen people build that far down before, at least not in my life, and come to find out they were building, it's about a 10-story building, and so because of that, the foundation has to be extremely deep. I couldn't imagine what it would be for 100 stories or something like that. Uh, uh, but, but they drove those things down because they, they had over 200 uh, uh, earthquakes a month, which was, you know, small ones, very small ones and, uh, out west. And so because they had that, they had to make sure that what they built for was going to handle the big ones because the big ones come, right? You have a lot of little ones along the way. We all have little earthquakes in our lives, don't we? And sometimes we kind of feel them. Sometimes it's not too much. But then there's the big ones that come along. And we need to be the kind of people who build our house on the rock, who build our lives on the rock of Jesus Christ. And you have to dig down deep into the bedrock. And if you're going to make it through life's storms, and they come for all of us, don't they? You have to build your life on Jesus and his message, not on cultural Christianity. See, cultural Christianity is all about the styles and the sounds and the little things that only really relate to us here in America. Uh, and so sometimes we, we face simple tremors in life and rattle, it rattles the glass on our mantle, so to speak, and, and it doesn't do much. But other times we face those full-blown earthquakes that can really shake our lives and even crack our foundations. Not, not very long before Jesus was betrayed and crucified, we find Jesus teaching about some of the last things uh, or the end time events that would happen. And some of those things, some of these things, like the destruction of Herod's temple, took place in 70 A.D. Uh, it did happen right after Jesus' death and resurrection. Uh, but not everything has been fulfilled. And in fact, if you study biblical prophecy, you find there... There can be more than one facet in what God is saying to his people when he deals with these prophetic places. And yet one of the key things you have to remember uh, is your calling as a child of God. Because each and every one of us are called to serve him and to follow him. You and I have been commissioned to be faithful and to carry the gospel everywhere into the whole world in whatever fashion uh, that takes place. And, and we've been called to stand strong to, uh, to the very end. And if, if, if that's the end of our time on this earth or if it's until the Lord returns, I don't know. It depends. Uh, and, uh, but we need to stay ready. 
The time that we're living in now seems uh, ever so similar to uh, what Jesus prophesied there in chapter 24. And in some ways, it may be similar to what uh, Europe faced years back as, as so many people turned away from faith on what is now called, and now they're called postmodern Europe, or post-Christian Europe, I should say. Something happened, something changed for them, and, uh, and so that you see these changes, and now they're living in those changes. And that should cause us to perk up our ears and start paying attention to what's happening. Now, we should have been paying attention for a while. But we have to, have to step into this and consider. But these may only be more birth pains, as Jesus would say, that we're walking through now. But they may be more significant than this. And knowing the time that we're living in is extremely important for us as followers of Jesus. We need to be ready to turn at any point to be able to follow his direction. So knowing the time is important. And these signs that we face in our world need to cause us to come to our feet uh, with our, and open our spiritual eyes and ear, keeping them open and aware of what is happening around us. It, is our world heading the way of postmodern Europe? Well, probably, at least. I don't know. Uh, but but there are, there, there's something that we must think about here. Here's another question that I'm going to throw out to you and think about. Did many leave their faith in Europe because they were so entwined in Europe, the European strain of cultural Christianity? Was it so based on what they knew in the culture of the church and all the things that they did that related to, that, uh, to the cultures there? It makes you wonder, Right? And that should be a serious warning to us. Are, are, are we going to settle? Are we going to settle like this in our lives too? And if they did do that, what does it mean for us in the church in America? What does it mean for us? If, are we going to settle merely for cultural Christianity? It's something that pastors have been talking about for many years. And something that we need to keep in our mind because we know of all the cultural shifts that we are facing right now, it's significant. And this kind of Christianity, that cultural Christianity merely ties to the American church and the culture there. Or are we going to yield to the truth of the gospel itself? Because there's a difference. There's a big difference. And are we going to, build, going to hold onto a generation gone by, or are we going to build onto the, onto the message of the kingdom of God? Are we going to hold to the things that are real, that are strong, and that are solid, and are based in what Christ has taught us? We live in trying times, but we also can have the stability that only the master can bring, and that is the kind of stability that we need in the times that we are living we need that kind of strength. We need that kind of stability that the Lord gives to us. And Jesus came to bring us into to the kingdom of God, not, uh, but not the type of rule that many thought of in Jesus' day. Remember, he had a hard time with that. If you guys were in the class with me on Wednesday night, we talked a little bit about it. But they had a hard time with that. And uh, Jesus came to bring us into the kingdom of God, but not the kind of reign that many people think about today even. 
It's not about that kind of rain. And, and he, he calls us to repentance, not rights. He calls us to repentance. He calls us to turn towards him, not away from him. And, and, and in the cultural Christianity, it's kind of like we want a little bit of repentance and we want a little bit of rights. But it's different for us as followers of Jesus. We need to allow him to work in our lives. He came to bring real hope for our future. Let's look together here in uh, Matthew chapter 24. This is right before Jesus' uh, crucifixion. Uh, And listen to some of the words that he told his disciples here. We'll start there in verse 9 in chapter 24. He said, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and to put and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. Uh, At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Then he says here in verse 12, he says, because of the increase of wickedness and the love, the love of most will grow cold. Now, I know here at this point, it sounds kind of drab, doesn't it? Sounds kind of like, whoa, that's not, that's not the greatest thing, Jesus. Isn't this all supposed to be blessing? Uh, but, but he lays this out, and, but Jesus does give us hope in this, and he comes into this next verse there, and, and he says, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And then he says in that next verse, in verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. That word comes from ethnos in the Greek, which means like ethnic groups at all nations, and then the end will come. And if you look at that passage, some of these things are in our world today. We know it. Some of them have been in our world for quite a while, a long, long time. But they have been there. Increase of wickedness has ramped up more than ever. Uh, Just as the love of many has seemed to grow cold, we've seen that more than we've ever seen it in the times that we live in. Does not mean that we have to grow cold in our love, though. But Jesus gives hope for us who believe. He he says there, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So there there is hope, right? There is hope in all this. And that is the thing that we have to remember. Because if you dive into the prophetic word and you see what some of the things that's going to happen, you're like, oh, no. Well, it's wait, hold on. We have hope. And we have that hope in Christ. But there are many that don't have that hope. And that's why we're still here. We're we're still here for a purpose. And... uh, uh, there's that other verse there, verse 14 is pretty important. Not only does it allude to our responsibility to share, uh, to share the good news, but it reminds us of what will happen before the end of all things. You think about that again, and let's see what it says again. It says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. That means it's going to be preached everywhere as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So you and I as a church, we have been left here for a purpose. He has a plan for our lives. And you can, you can ask me, where are we going as a church? Where, where are we going? Well, uh, we, are, we are here to take part as proclaimers of the good news of Jesus in our world. And that's just a simple part of that. 
and we're going to look at this for a few weeks here, and I'm going to hit some stuff next week for you too that the Lord had put in my heart uh, some time back. And in this, in the same context here, uh, we see that Jesus said these words in Matthew chapter 24, verse, uh, four, uh, verse 42. If you want to run over there, it should be on the screen for you. It says, therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the, if the owner of the house had known at what time the, the, of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his home be broken into, his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So we don't know the day, the time when the Lord is coming. And for those that say that, they're incorrect. And we have them all the time. It pop up here. They're always oh, going to come in 88 and uh, I don't know, 96, uh, 23. I don't know. Well, he could. He can come at any point that he deems fit. He knows when that's going to be. And so we trust him and we have to be able to stay ready so that, he, uh, so that we are ready doing his work when he arrives. We don't know the time. But what we do know is that Christ has called us to keep watch, to stay aware, and to keep working for his kingdom while we have the opportunity. Keep watch, stay aware, and working for his kingdom. It's not just simply, staying watch just isn't simply just sitting in our chair. Now, we can do a lot of work sitting in our chair, right? We understand that. Uh, and, but, but, it, but it's being ready and being aware, staying attuned to him and staying attuned to the situations that we face in our work, in our life, as we relate to other people around us. Staying attuned to what God may want to say and speak into their lives because they're hurting. You say, God, what do I do here? And so you have to ask him and listen to him and allow him to speak in your life so you may speak into theirs and share hope to them. We need to be the kind of people who are staying aware that we, we are ready. We are ready in season. We are ready out of season. We are ready at all points. Keep watch. If he asked you to serve or to help somebody at, at a moment's notice, would you? You know, it's, it's, it's easier to say yes right here in this room, right, than it is in that situation, but... Uh, too many times we make it harder than it really is. So, uh, so we may leave it to the pros. Oh, well, that's not my deal, so I'm going to leave it to somebody else. Well, and that, that's a challenging one. And that, that should challenge us, challenge us as individuals. We have to say, Lord, how is it that you want me to help? How can I be a conduit for you, Lord? And sometimes you just have to jump in and do it while you learn how to do it. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where you had to just jump in and learn to do it? I remember when we were West Africa and we were uh, we went into some areas and we uh, they had no water in there. And I've told you've heard my stories before, but but I'm like, you know, what do we do here? I don't know how to dig a well. I know nothing about it. And so, but we decided we were going to dig a well because these people needed water. And so we kind of found a place. Hey, that looks good on a hill. I don't know if that was too smart. But anyhow, we, we started digging, right? And, and we didn't know how. We didn't have the equipment to do it. So what did we do? We made it. And so that we kept digging and digging. It took us forever. 
And uh, yeah, it wasn't easy. 112 degrees outside and you're digging. Yeah, just crazy. And if you think it's cold down in where you're digging the well, no, it's not cold down there. It's hot. Yeah, because you're making it hot while you're heating it up and you're sweating. Yeah, it's tough stuff. But what did we do? We, we learned as we went. We weren't pros. The pros weren't even available to us. And friends, there are, we are in days and times where the pros aren't available. And the Lord's going to say, look, I need you to do this. No, I don't want somebody else doing it. I need you to do it. I need you to be able to step out. It's going to have to be us because that's who we have. We have to say, Lord, here we are. We have to just jump in and do it. You don't have to have a theology degree to uh, reach the lost for Jesus. Think about the woman at the well, too. When, what did she, she didn't have a theology degree, and she starts telling people, this guy knew about my life. He told me all about it. And so she started telling people about Christ, and, and, and she, she did that. She didn't have a degree to do that. She didn't need a degree to do that. She just told people about Jesus. Now we, now we step into another part of this. We, see, we saw here before the crucifixion what Jesus had prophesied what would happen. And, and, uh, and then we see after his resurrection, we find Jesus saying these words over in, in Mark chapter 16. Mark 16 verse 15 tells us this. It says, go into all the world and preach the, preach the gospel to all creation. This is what he's telling the disciples and us to do. Uh, and he said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. That's pretty significant. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will, pick up, they will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. And no, you're not supposed to handle snakes to just show your power, right? No, that's not what the scripture is talking about. We see that when, when Paul is bit on Malta, right? When he got bit by the viper and it could have knocked him out right then and there, but God protected him and he made it. And then it, it freaked everybody out on the island of Malta. It's like, wow, what happened? This guy's not dead. They expected him to die in three steps, and it didn't happen. We've been called to take the good news everywhere. Who needs the good news? Well, our neighbors need it. Our coworkers need it. People in Kansas need it. People in the United States, they need it. Uh, Jody and I was talking this morning about people today, how, how little uh, the younger generation, uh, 30s and less, know about the Bible if they haven't been around Scripture because a lot of people don't, uh, don't talk about it the same amount anymore. And so if they've been, in the, if they've been at church in, the, in, a, in a solid way, they probably have an idea, but there's a lot that don't. They have no idea. So we're responsible. There's a lot of people out there. Every nation needs the gospel. The unreached people groups that are so, uh, so many, they need the gospel of Christ. Why, why, have, why have we been so lulled to sleep? Why have we been so sleepy in our world in America and the, and the American church? I don't know. It makes me wonder if, if much of the church in America is kind of like the church in Laodicea that the Lord called on the carpet among the seven churches of Asia and Revelation, 
Uh, Jesus said to them in the book of Revelation in chapter 3, verse 15, he said this, he said, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I, I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are uh, lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And, and, and yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty tough, isn't it? That's, that's a major challenge to us, and it should be. It's a challenge to me, and it should be, right, for all of us. But the other part of that is, is I think this verse 17 is kind of where the crux of this happens for us in the American church. He says, you say I'm rich, I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. All these things. So, so we have so much as a nation. Yeah, I know things are changing. It's different than what it was, but it's still we have so much as a nation, even at this point. And in fact, our churches have uh, so, so much in comparison to the early church and the developing world now. And uh, some, some sectors uh, uh, even have the political power that has purchased what they've wanted some way because of relationship and all those kind of things. So I think that we can say at times, I am rich and have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. I think that we say that in our world. We say it in different ways. If we knew what we were saying, we probably wouldn't say it. Maturity has a way of doing this to us over a period of time. Maturity can have an effect on us for good or bad. And I appreciated what Jody said about once you come to faith and uh, how the Lord was working in her life. But, but think about it this way. So, so, you, uh, so for the 12-year-old, the 12-year-old looks back to the 5-year-old and, and says, yeah, I remember when I had to go to bed early, but now look, look at me, I, I can stay up late, right? That's kind of what happens. This is kind of what happens down the generations. Then, the, the, then, you, got, uh, then you got the 18-year-old who says, I, I remember when everyone had to drive me around, but... Uh, and now I can go wherever I want to on my own. So you, you, you see those kind of things. And then you have the 30-year-old. that they, they, they say, I remember the late nights in school and not much, uh, didn't have much to eat but ramen noodles. But now I have a lot more at hand, you know. And we can go on really to every generation if you want, but we may be here too long. Uh, and, but you think about that, and, and uh, uh, it comes down to this. We think of how it used to be, we used to be, and compare ourselves with how we were, and then we think on, but then we think, oh, I'm further on, and I, I don't, then I don't need anything. What happens is that we forget uh, that our that uh, our need when we were young is the need that we have when we are old. Some would say, oh, I don't know about that. No, it is true. The needs we had when we were young are the needs we have when we are older. And sure, there are some things that shift, and I understand. Uh, but, but what happens is we forget those things, and somehow we think that we've arrived and we don't need any help anymore. Uh, we have it figured out, so we, we set back and we relax. We put up our feet on the footstool, and we... We forget about Jesus' words and the lost and hurting world because we don't think we need anything. And I know there are, there are phases in our lives where we recognize, hey, we do need some help here. I know there's those phases too. 
uh, there's many phases in life. Uh, but, but we have to be able to recognize that, that we do need something, and uh, we're mistaken when we think we don't. We're living in times which cause us to step back and to remember the mission and the vision of Jesus Christ himself. Service to a lost and dying and hurting world. It's what he did. His service went over the top, too, to save their souls. There's a person I can think of who uh, kept this in front of herself, and, and uh, there's many of you that know her. She's gone on to be with the Lord, Eleanor Parnell. Uh, so many of us loved her, and uh, she was in her late 90s. And I remember, and uh, I won't tell personal details, but uh, I remember sitting down and talking with her, talking with her about the Lord and talking with her about situations, and I had some great personal conversations and let me tell you, life wasn't always easy for her either. She smiled a lot. She smiled on the outside, right? And you interacted with her, and she, she held things together in many ways. But like most of us, she had disappointments in life. And I remember her telling me those as a pastor. I won't say what those are. But she kept on her mission. She kept going. And uh, sure, she... She was an adventurous person, I know that, but not every, uh, not every venture was easy for her, but she kept trusting Christ anyway. And, and if you didn't know her, you, you missed her for sure. You missed out. But even when she hurt, she shared hope because there were times that we sh she hurt not just physically, but salvation is for a world that is hurting at least a world that will admit that they need hope. So many need hope in our world, and they need to understand what is up and what is down. And for us as followers of Jesus, we have some insight through the Word of God. We have some insight. The Holy Spirit has sealed our hearts. We have some insight because of that, and we get that, that opportunity to be able to share that with other people so that they can have hope. You know, when, even when we're hurting, we can reach out to other people, right? Think about Jesus for just a moment. He's on the, he's on the cross. He is in agony. They, they are crucifying him, nails in his hands and his feet. He's been whipped on his back, 39 stripes, likely just mangled. Crown of thorns stuck on his head. And he's there, and what the normal thing for them was to try to give him a painkiller. And they would try to give that to him on a stick so that they didn't, go for, go, didn't, didn't deal with so much pain while they're dying. And he says, no, I don't want that. So in that condition, he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He was ministering to people while he was in pain that was uh, unbelievable. He did that for you and I. Father, forgive them. These guys, they, they, they don't know what they're doing. We need to turn up the heat a little bit. I don't mean in here. It may be a little chilly for some. but <laughs> we, we, need, we need to turn up the heat. It isn't uh, uh, so that uh, uh, it's what the Lord has called us to do. 
In the world that we are living, we need to turn up the heat in our faith. Many have let the, the intensity of their faith lie in the past. Those are the times when I was younger and, and we let the intensity set there. And others have, have never even let the fire of, of their faith even be lit up in their hearts. It's just there. And it's become so deeply personal that they don't like uh, that they, they, uh, they don't like sharing it with other people. It needs to be so deeply personal and so life-changing that we can share it with other people. I'm not saying that you should share every destructive detail, but share the hope that Christ has put in your heart. Some people are, are uh, like a good piece of uh, oak. You know, you put some oak in the fireplace and you get the fireplace all set up and you put some good pieces of oak in there. You light it up, you get that thing on fire and now we're going to come into the cool parts of the, uh, the year and, and you like, like to have that nice warmth off the fire. You know, you can go over there and enjoy that thing. And so people like to come over, they, they're, they're drawn to the fire, aren't they? They're drawn to that because they're like, hey, I can warm my hands up. It's kind of cold. And so you feel the heat from that hot oak burning there. And so we want to be like that. You know, oak, is, it's a dense wood. It's a hard wood, so it burns hot. Or hedge wood, you know, it's like, it's like uh, Osage Orange. That stuff is really hot. It'll really start some heat out there. But sometimes we're like that. And others are kind of like when you burn leaves in the fall. You know what it's like when you burn leaves in the fall? You got some of them that are dry, some of them that are wet, and you mix them all together, and you try to light them on fire. and All it does is put off smoke. No, nobody, nobody wants to run over there and put their hands over the leaf fire to try, to try to warm their hand unless it was all totally dry. No, sometimes we're like that. We just put off smoke, and that's all it is. We, we don't want to be like that. We want to be more like the oak. Sure, the oak, when you start it up, it starts smoking, right? And finally, it gets so hot that the smoke really dies down, and it's just heat. We want, we want to be like that. We don't want to be like, like a bunch of smoldering leaves. It, and you, again, you can ask, where are we going? Well, it comes back to this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. It comes back to this, and I'll share with you some other stuff in the, in the days ahead. As this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. See, the question is, are you willing to be part of what he is going to do in such a way? That's the question. We, we don't want to be a smoldering pile of leaves, but an intense burning fireplace where people can come and they can find hope. Are we going to be the kind of church that is simply out to be cultural Christians? No. But if we are, if that's what we ended up being, then what value are we at that point? What value? What value to the kingdom of God? What value to the world? Eh, it's kind of like Jesus said, I want to spit you out of my mouth. We don't want to be that way. We're called to reach and relate to the world. We are called to reach them. And the Apostle Paul said it like this. The Apostle Paul was a great missionary. And one of the things he said was this. We find it over in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 22 and 23, Paul said this. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. 
Then he goes on, he says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. Then he says in that verse 23 there, he says, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. If you read all of the Apostle Paul's writings and you hear what he says, it's not hard to read it. There's, it's not that much. If you, read, if you read one book in your life, you can read all that, no problem. But if you hear the things that he walked through and the things that he did, he did so many things trying to relate to people so that he could see them come to faith in Christ. God, may we be like him. May we be willing, Lord God, to be like that and relate to the world that's around us. Lord, help us. See, our world has changed, but mankind is much the same. It's confused and even dazed by the enemy of their soul at times. They don't always know which direction to go, but the, but the mission of Jesus has not changed and his charge for to be first assembly of God and you as part of that has not changed. We have been called to carry his good news of the kingdom of God to every part of the world in a few different ways. By sending and supporting missionaries around the world, we will not hold back on that. We will not do, stop doing that. That is paramount if we're going to get the gospel out. Do, do you guys want to know something? In the last uh, nine months, we've had six, we've had six couples or six uh, missions teams uh, come off of the field. Some of them are for retirement. Some of them because they passed away. And some of them, at least a couple of them or so, because of lack of finances. I had one missionary that sent me an email here a while. It's been some time back now. And they said after COVID hit, they lost 50% of their support. 50. Uh, could you live on 50? Not overseas, probably not. 50%. So we've worked very hard at making sure right now we're supporting, uh, I don't know what our number is, uh, 16, something like that. And we give about $600 a month. And that's from what you guys give, not out of the uh, coffers, but out of what you guys give, about 600 a month out to these different missionaries. We live in an interesting time. We are not stopping supporting missionaries because that is preaching the gospel in places where it needs to go. But also we have to, the, that's one of those things, but also we have to step outside of our four walls to impact our communities by becoming all things to all people so that we might save some. Doesn't mean we have to live like them or take on their ideas. That does not mean that. Some churches get that confused and that's where some of cultural Christianity comes in and they think they have to uh, in their uh, love for people on the outside who are living in sin, they think they have to accept that. No, we don't have to do that. We will not do that. But the only way this is going to happen is if we get past our place of comfort and let the Holy Spirit let the Holy Spirit reignite the fire within our hearts and then step out in faith to reach our world.
We can't stop, friends. We can't stop. We don't have the luxury of stopping. We don't have the time to stop. We have been called to impact this world. And the only way we're going to do it is if we step out of our comfort zone and if we reach them. What is our mission? Love God, love people, inspire hope. That is what we are about. Loving God, loving people, and inspiring hope. And that goes with every individual in this room, everyone online with us. It goes with each and every one of us. If I leave it up to Jody, I've got a problem. If Jody leaves it, leaves it up to Tiffany, she's got a problem. If Tiffany leaves it up to Rudy, she's got, he's got a problem, right? And so on and so on. We can't just leave it up to others. We have to do it for ourselves as individual followers of Jesus. And then as a body, as a body, as we work together to see God work in his way. He will work in his way. We just have to yield ourselves to him. Maybe at one point we'll have people come to our houses and they'll say, hey, what is this that you have? I remember when we were starting churches in West Africa in some of those places, that's what would happen. People came at night and said, hey, what is this? You may have people at your work or when you go to the grocery store say, what, what, what are you talking about? What is this Christianity thing? Uh, they probably know too many words. They can be cultural Christians, right? They, they can probably say all those things. But what are you really talking about? God will give you those opportunities. We have to be able to take those opportunities and run with it. You say, well, I'm not the pro. Well, you may not be. Neither am I. And we share the gospel of faith to them. We learn as we go. We've got to be willing to learn as we go. Do we have it all together? No, I wish I could say we had it all to have it all together, but we don't. But I think that what we need to do is learn as we go and grow together and keep pushing forward and see God do what he wants to do. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, Father, we don't want to be like we used to be. Father, for some of us, we may even say, Lord, we don't want to be like we are right now. Father, we need you more than anything in our lives. Father, we need your strength and your wisdom and your guidance and your anointing. Father God, when we don't want, know what to do, we can ask you. We know that you'll, you'll give us wisdom, you'll guide us, and you'll give us the things to say even in the middle of it. Help us to be witnesses of Christ. And Father God, we lay down our own desires at your feet. We pour them into your crucible, Father God, that you may heat it up, Lord God, and melt it and make us into what you have called us to be. Father God, sure, we all have hurts, we all have pains, and we all have things that we have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. But Father God, I pray that you would help us to be able to follow through with your will. Jesus, just as you said to the Father, not your will, but his be done. Father God, we say not our own wills, but yours be done in our lives, Lord God. Father God, may we not be like we used to be. May we be like you, who you have called us to be even now. 
Father God, we need you and we put our trust in you. Father, we lay our lives at your feet today. Father God, we lay everything we have at your feet and we offer ourselves to you today. In Jesus' name.